Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com, one of our Michigan insiders. He's standing by on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well, enjoying the weather. Yeah, it feels like summer. Can't wait to have you up at the Tullymore Fall, or actually slash Spring Football Summit first, then the Fall uh, Summit. What are you looking at, Superfly? What? What are you doing? I'm talking to Clayton. He's giving me like he's weird. He's ever since he went on that golf trip with those guys and they claimed to see aliens on Saturday night that they had a close encounter of the fifth kind. Whatever. He's been strange. I don't think it's him. I, I do think he's an alien. So anyways, Dickinson's quote was the people hating yeah. on me would leave their job right now for a ten thousand dollar increase. I got less than six figures at Michigan for the year. So what do you read from that? Yeah, I mean, it's actually funny because last week we started to hear some of the numbers of, of what Hunter Dickinson made last year, and that's kind of what we heard, less than six figures, uh, which is almost hard to believe based on when you kind of look around the country in college basketball and you hear the figures, you, you see some of the numbers, some of the rumors out there, and then you see the rumors of what Hunter Dickinson will likely make at Kansas over a couple seasons if he decides to stay for two. I mean, you've seen rumors out there, this just on social media of, that it could be in the millions. So, I mean, that's that's a heck of a, a big pay jump, uh, you know, not just that 10000 that he's talking about. And the context there, too, uh, was, you know, him uh, discussing some of the criticism he's taken for making this jump. Um, but it's not overly surprising. When you go from Michigan uh, to Kansas, or really anywhere to Kansas, I think money is clearly a factor. And this is kind of the first thing that, I, you know, I was on the show the, the day that Hunter Dickinson enter the transfer portal bill and i remember saying don't hate the player hate the game uh, this just kind of feels like what college athletics is coming to now there's another part of this though if you're michigan i mean you can't let this happen right you can't let it happen again so if you're the people at michigan both in the administration and folks involved with nil uh, you got to make sure you step up your game because losing top tier players uh, is not going to be a formula for success and now you know we've talked about it over the last couple months but look at this roster they got a lot of work to do they've done some good work in the transfer portal but um you know it's it's making life more difficult than it has to be if you're going to be losing some of your best players and you know maybe this is a one-off and maybe this will be a warning uh in something that will uh, you know make the people at michigan in charge of this type of stuff make some necessary changes Uh, that can happen as well but right now it's uh it's not a great look certainly to have this out there michigan was winning and had a great team coming back i don't think hunter dickinson leaves for the money at kansas and that's why a lot of people will talk to me about michigan and hey are they going to lose players in football in the near future and i said as long as you're winning as long as you have a program that gets major exposure and competes for championships and you watch michigan with the third most drafted guys in the NFL, I think you're okay. I really do. But it's when, if it happens again, if Michigan all of a sudden becomes average, that's when you could get your roster rated. If, you, if you're not pointing up uh, NIL money, you could just lose big names. And think about it. When, when you lose starters, look at Peyton Thorne to Auburn, Keon Coleman, yeah. Michigan, one of the 59 schools. I'm glad he said 59, just throwing out, hey, highest bidder uh, gets me. But when you lose starters, whether it's football at Michigan State or Dickinson at Michigan, I think it's a horrible look for the coach in that program. Yeah, it's a horrible look, and then it's just hard to recover from when you're losing those types of guys. I was going to bring that up. Look at it on the football side. I mean, 
And specifically, I'll talk about the Michigan offensive line because Sharon Moore was talking to John Jansen today on his podcast in the trenches. And, you know, he was asked, like, there's just so much competition in this O-line room. It feels like there are guys that are waiting their turn for, for years that could be starting, but uh, they've got all sorts of experience coming back, a couple transfers coming in. Uh, but none of those guys left this offseason. And a lot of that is because they want to, yeah, maybe they will wait one more year and then become that starter that they want to be, uh, that they could be elsewhere. Uh, but they also want to chase uh, a national championship, another Big Ten championship at Michigan. And winning is huge in that aspect that uh, it's a little bit easier to convince your guys to come back when it's like, hey, let's go get another championship. Let's compete here with, with the elite uh, in the entire country. And then Michigan State, on the other hand, which, you know, coming off of a, five and seven season you know kind of similar in a way to what michigan experienced on the basketball side they lose a couple starters and you know who's to say exactly what's going on with nil at either side but the fact that you're losing guys if you don't perform that well on the field on the court and you're keeping guys if you do i agree with you that's probably the number one thing and maybe hunter dickinson would have been able to stomach another let's say he made seventy-five thousand last year maybe he'd be able to stomach that uh, if it meant that he was going to be on the biggest stages. But I think he took a look at what was coming back and where this program uh, is headed in the short term and, and probably said, hey, I'll go jump on to Kansas, which has all sorts of talent and probably be preseason number one, preseason number two here now with him in the fold. So I think you're right. Um, it's a combination of things, as everything is. But for sure, if Michigan was winning on the court, I think um, you know he'd be a little bit more uh, susceptible to sticking around. Keon Coleman, I mentioned that Michigan was one of his reported 59 schools he's interested in. Where, where Out of that 59, where would you rank Michigan for having a legit shot at Keon Coleman pulling the biggest footballs move ever going from East Lansing and Tucker to Ann Arbor and Harbaugh? Yeah, it might be bigger than even uh, what was the boring kid that went from Michigan to Ohio State, but... Um, yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be incredible. I think you know Michigan. It's worth a shot reaching out there, and obviously, there's probably some previous relationships from the recruiting trail. But um, just based on the looks of it, and based on you know the places he's visiting, I would expect him to go somewhere down south. I'm not exactly sure what the contact has been like from Michigan, um, but I wouldn't expect that to happen. But it is funny though, Bill, because uh, you know we've talked over the last few weeks. You know what's what could Michigan do maybe in the transfer portal here during the spring window now that some guys have entered it? And, um, you know, a couple spots we talked about. One was kicker, and they got their kicker, James Turner from Louisville. But the other two that, I, that I've kind of pinpointed um, and that we've kind of heard from, uh, you know, sources that the Michigan staff is also looking at is wide receiver and cornerback. And they've been, uh, you know, Keon Coleman would be kind of the missing piece um, in terms of having a guy that you can throw the ball off to. We saw him do it at the big house last year. Uh, you know, he was really their only threat early on in that game. And then Michigan did a good job, I thought, late of uh, kind of locking him down and bracketing him in coverage. But uh, he would be a big addition. But I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think he'll probably end up in the South. But maybe, you know, from a Michigan standpoint, they do continue to look there and find somebody. I, I do think the talent level in the transfer portal right now, as opposed to back in December and January, is much, much less. Um, but you can still find some hidden gems out there. Alabama just did it with a corner. That Michigan also tried to get Trey Amos from Louisiana. So there are some guys, and I think we could see Michigan do that, but wouldn't expect Keon Coleman to make the trip down the road to Ann Arbor. And also you're starting to see some GLIAC guys make the move 
up, yeah. up to big, you know, big time D one schools. So really, D three to D two, uh, and it's not a surprise. And even the football subdivision schools, which was the old Division one Double A. They're the minor leagues now. And then what happens when a guy comes up and takes a spot at an Oklahoma or, you know, a Louisville? Well, another guy has to push down and he's coming back to the MAC or he's coming back to a GLIAC or D2 school. Yeah, it's crazy. I just hope my hope college flying Dutchman don't get hurt by this. Otherwise, I may have to get involved with the NIL over there. But It's D3. Right. They don't do scholarships, and they, they're know, not even following the new first down timing rule, D3. They're doing their own thing. They they're, they're, okay. they're, they're still keeping old school football close to the vest at the D3 level and the powerful MIAA with Sturzma at Hope, the Newt Rockney of the modern era. He's so good. He's fantastic. He, so, yeah, I saw but, him. I saw him at a combine last Saturday. That dude is just the, the energy. Again, you know, at some point, decaf has to become part of his regular routine. But Peter Sturzma <laughs> is as good as it gets. Hey, I got about sixty seconds before I let you go. Yeah. Back to Michigan hoops. Jed Howard, Kobe yeah. Bufkin got an invite uh, to the NBA combine. Uh, I'm. I, I think Bufkin is more NBA ready than Jed Howard. I've never looked at Jed Howard and thought NBA player. Your thoughts, will one, both, or none get drafted and where? I think both of them and probably both of them in the first round. But the interesting thing with this is that it seems like Kobe Bufkin's stock is on the rise. Now, whether that's from some of the workouts with teams that he's had before the combine uh, or it's just you know people diving into the film a little bit more. So he was number 11, actually, on – the athletics big board and jet Howard fell down to 27. So feels a little bit more right to me. I, I agree with you. Kobe Buffkin, probably the better prospect, but the combine will kind of determine that. And I'm interested to see if, if, you know, one or both participate in how they do. But I think Kobe Buffkin could be one of those big risers and maybe into the lottery, which is insane to say, because a year ago at this time we were talking about, you know, can he play? Can he uh, stay in the rotation? Clayton Safey stays in the rotation. Captain Chris Ballas says, I need him along with the broom sweeper, Anthony Broom at the Wolverine.com. Uh, you can follow everything Michigan Athletics 24-7 at the Wolverine.com. Clayton, we'll see you Monday at our Tullymore Spring Football Summit. I cannot wait. Thank you very much. All right, Clayton Safey joining us on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line.